Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. To the deciding point, our Cracked Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines going on throughout the tennis world. Joining me for one last off-season edition of this show, you know him as our Cracked Rackets do everything, the forefather of the forehand slice, it's James Foster McDonald. Jamie, the 2021 season is right around the corner. How are you feeling about the restart of tennis coming up so soon? Feeling excited. Uh, you know, look, our last deciding point got me really jazzed for the men's side. So, look, I just need I need this one for the WTA to do the same. That's really the only reason I came on. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways from the 2020 season is how much change is afoot in both the men's and women's game. And we've seen how many new Grand Slam champions on the women's side these past five seasons. Obviously, we saw Dominic team breakthrough on the men's side in 2020. I think we can expect to see a lot of the same in 2021. And of course, to help prepare all of you viewers out there for the 2021 season, much like we did last week, Jamie and I are going to break down our five most interesting players of the WTA 2021 season we will give our takes offer up a stat that we think is something to watch when seeing this player on the court in 2021 with that in mind Westoff, give me those deciding point credits and let's rock and roll Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, Jamie, there are so many different players we could have started with on today's list. But of course, we're going to go to a familiar topic here on our Cracked Rackets shows. Let's talk about Karolina Pliskova, who we both agree is such a fascinating player heading into 2021. She's been number one in the world, captured so many high-level titles, yet she's yet to capture that elusive Grand Slam event. Uh, Do we think 2021 is the season she's going to be able to do that? Do we think her window's closed? What are you going to be watching for from Karolina Pliskova in 2021? Yeah, so look, I, I'll answer that um, at least briefly. No, I don't think the window's <laughs> closed. Obviously, it's getting harder and harder with the amount of young talent that is being pushed um, to the top of the WTA. But for me, I mean, look, again, like I did on the last deciding point, I was really just trying to guess what sort of stat you would throw out there and uh, preemptively put something to counter it so a fun little game of myself but since I'm going first I'll go ahead and for me it's it's a bit of a reality check for for Carolina Pliskova you know this year obviously a shortened schedule a weird sort of abbreviated just 2020 that, that we weren't expecting but against players ranked 21 through 50 in the world this is somebody who's at the top top of the game she goes three and six against people ranked 21 through 50 in the world 
that's just not going to get it done. And so for me, that's a big reality check is like, okay, you need to go back to square one for some things. And look, we've talked at length about her needing to develop a plan B. But for me, it's that it starts at a place of like, okay, here's where we're at. You know, we're not just cruising along and this is fine. We need to reset some things. Yeah, you know, one of the big things for Carolina Pliskova, it is a reset for her this offseason. She brings in Sasha Bajin to her coaching mm-hmm. team. Of course, Sasha has worked with Serena, Osaka, Yastremska. Clearly, he's attracted to those power players. And he's done wonders for those uh, those three. So you imagine he will do similar for Carolina Pliskova. Now, I have two numbers to throw at you quickly. One number I think Carolina Pliskova will enjoy. Another one I think she needs to improve in 2021 if she is going to make that jump. To be a, to being a Grand Slam champion, the first stat since the 2014 season. Do you know which player leads the WTA in wins week in week out? It's Carolina Pliskova, and she leads Simona Halep. Simona Halep 302 wins. Carolina Pliskova 318 wins. Now by win percentage, Pliskova I think she's about number nine over these past six seasons. But you know that just speaks to how much success she has had these past four, five, six, seven years, even on tour. Now, the statistic I'm going to point out she needs to improve, her second serve win percentage. And we know Carolina Pliskova possesses one of the best, if not the best sometimes, uh, serve in the women's game. When that first serve is landing, it opens up everything else she wants to do. She can play first strike aggressive tennis, move forward, throw in the funky slices. But on her second serve, that's when she's you know susceptible to being attacked, to being forced to playing defense, to be uncomfortable. She has never won more than 48% of her second serve points in any given season. And for someone who's so talented on the first serve, maybe that just means going after the second serve more, being more aggressive, or just landing higher than 65% of your first serves, which is the highest number she's ever hit in her career. I think that's where it starts for her. If that second serve can just get a little bit better, then matches become that much easier. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's listen, there's a lot you put out there, but the bottom line is this. You gotta shape up on that second serve. And, you know, I, I think that the new coaching that she brings in is absolutely gonna help her develop first strike tennis. How do you get free points off of a second serve? And and like you mentioned, the first serve percentage going up. Listen, if any player can figure out how to put that percentage up, they're gonna be in a better spot. So let's hope that the new coaching switch can help her do that in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's a low-hanging fruit sort of stat. You know, improve the second serve. That's something everyone wants to do. But when the margins are that thin, uh, that is the thing for Carolina Pliskova and why she's one of our most interesting players because we both agree that window for her to win a Grand Slam, we think it's still open. And as excited as we are about the young players in the women's game, Carolina Pliskova still has a thing or two left up her sleeves. But speaking of low-hanging fruit, that gets to our next player. And we, of course, are talking about Jennifer Brady. Here's my low-hanging fruit stat that for her. And I think this is a really simple one, something that, again, it's a basic instinct, but if she improves it, she has the chance to really, in my opinion, elevate herself into maybe even the top 10 of the women's game. And that's the first serve percentage. Never in Jen Brady's career has she made over 60% of her first serves throughout the course of a season. Now, obviously, she's really only played three full years of tour events, really one full year of WTA-level events. But even when she was playing the ITF circuit. She was never over 60%. It feels like if she can make that first serve, we know she's got the plus one forehand, probably one of the top 10 on tour. Uh, We know she can play aggressive tennis, even from defensive positions. If she's making that first serve even at an even higher rate, I mean, look out WTA tour. 
Yeah, 100%. I like that one a lot. Again, I'll uh, definitely low-hanging fruit there going after the first serve percentages. <laughs> but hey, you know, it's it's true. It's true. Um, and look, we saw how dangerous she can be, particularly on a hard court. And so if you couple that with, you know, improving the serve a little bit to make sure you're keeping that much more pressure on your opponent – hundred um, percent. And, and I do expect things to look really good in 2021 from Jen Brady. You know, from what I saw, I was really impressed. Um, and, and for me, my stat kind of outlines that, yeah, this one is an American centric stat, but in 2019 and 2020 combined, she goes 13 and six against American women. And think about the stock of American women we have um, ascending through the WTA WTA ranks right now. I mean, that keeping that sort of record is exceptional. And no, not every single one of those is against Serena Williams every time, right? But still, that's an incredibly impressive statistic for me. And to see 13 and 6 sustained over a couple years, you know, I, I'm hoping to see that trend continue in 2021. Yeah, I think that's a really good number. And look, I'm happy to get into return percentage in. I'm happy to get into second serve win percentage on the return, but we'll save that for a longer podcast. Yeah, I think for Jennifer Brady, the jump she made this year was so impressive about it is she looked that good during the World Team Tennis season. She looked that good, honestly, back in January when she made, what, the final of Dubai or something crazy like that. Maybe it was the semifinals and uh, that she was able to carry that level through the pandemic, through uh, the five months hiatus and then come out so strong like she did winning Lexington, making the semifinals at the U.S. Open. She's elevated herself into the conversation of some of the game's best players. And yeah, that's why she was uh, a nominee for the WTA Most Improved Award, of course. Uh, will she win it in the end? Tough to say, but certainly Jen Brady, phenomenal in 2020. We hope to see that continue into 2021. Someone else who is on my radar from the 2020 season, and I have no stats, and I'm going to be honest, folks, every so often and Jamie and I, when we're doing one of our pre-production meetings, I put my foot down and I say, we're talking about this player. And he goes, all right, like if you want to, I guess we can. And that is my next selection. Now, look, some of you may like Tutankhamen. Some of you may like Ramses. Uh, my favorite pharaoh is Fiona. Fiona Pharaoh, of course, the 23-year-old French woman winning her first WTA title. Was it her first? I believe so at the WTA level uh, when things kicked off in Palermo. She then, I believe, goes on to make the quarterfinals of the French Open as well. I think I have have all of my statistics right. She ends up losing that match to Sophia Kennan. But, you know, Fiona Farrow elevates herself into the top 50 of the women's game. And, Jamie, I just like everything about her. Give me your statistic when I said, hey, Fiona Farrow, give me something interesting about her. What'd you come well, up with? Well, first, the audacity for you to, quote, put your foot down on this player and then not even come to the table with the statistic. <laughs> I mean, Wow, that's that is just <laughs> unbelievable. But no, this was one of my this is probably my favorite statistic. And for me, I call it the intimidation factor. And disclaimer here, I don't necessarily <laughs> think this means anything. Will it maybe influence a, you know, a poor betting choice in 2021? Maybe if I'm bored. I don't know. But she is 3 and 14 in her career against opponents over 5 foot 10. Tell me if that means anything. Extrapolate something significant. <laughs> I don't know. But I found it, and I was like, what in the world? So there we are, 3-14. and 14. So if you're tall, got a good shot. You're going to scare her. So real quick, she had one more title, which she won in July of 2019. She also had a bunch of 20, you know, 5K, 80K titles early in her career. It was also round of 16. She lost to Sophia Kennan. Look, that is a phenomenal stat because that brings up the biggest 
my biggest problem for Fiona Farrow, and is it's as athletic as she is. I really do think she is the female version of Tommy Paul, but maybe even slightly higher upside because she's a little bit less erratic, but her ability to move particularly well on the clay, but her ability to you know produce power on the run, to go down the line, to have precision, to turn defense into offense. She's just a really spectacular athlete. I think she's the you know part of that first generation of all-court women's players kind of following that Simona Halep model. And, you know, I was talking to Mark Lucero and the way he describes it is the women's game is sometimes a generation or, you know, one uh, one generation behind the men's game. And I think the Fiona Farrows, the Sophia Kennans of the world, the variety they play with, the athleticism they bring, Coco Goff, you could throw into that conversation as well. I just think Fiona Farrow is a phenomenal athlete. I think her floor as a player is so high. It's very Kesmenovich, Tommy Paul-ish, but maybe even the female David Goffin. I really do think she has that. That sort of explosion. Uh, there were no statistical metrics there, but again, she's the pharaoh I turn to. I don't need Ramses. I've got the fact Fiona. that you're going all in, saying those players, and not giving the Frenchman Jill <laughs> Simone a shout out. Disrespectful. Again, <laughs> mm, oh for two on oh, Pharaoh. I don't need to give Jill Simone. Not giving Jill Simone a shout out when I'm podcasting with him or doing a show with him. I don't think I need to shout about twice. No, no, it here. still hurts. I guess that's uh, so. why I'm here to stick up for myself. But still, come on. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's fair. I just, again, I think Fiona Farrow, I feel about her last season the way I felt about Medvedev in 2018, when he was just so good and so solid, and you could just see, like, okay, this guy's going to be good. The question is, how good? That's how that's I feel a, about that's Fiona That's a hot Farrow. take to put and, those again, two in the same see. camp, but all right. Uh, look, every so often I throw a take out there. Sometimes they hit. That one hit. Let's hope this one hits as well. But our next player is someone none of us can deny. Certainly one of the most talented players when she brings her A game uh, in the women's game. And that, of course, is Garbine Muguruza, who we saw uh, get off to such a successful start in 2020. She was one match away from capturing another Grand Slam title. She makes that final at the Australian Open, beats Simona Halep in a fantastic straight set semi final five and six victory of course loses that final to Kennan but then you know she struggled with injuries during the five-month hiatus and we never really saw her fully healthy towards the back half of 2020 but you know my fun stat about Garbine Muguruza because of how long she's been in our life Jamie you know she's only 27 years old one would imagine this is probably her prime this is when we can expect to see her best tennis win healthy from what I saw the early portions of the year, and honestly, from what I saw from the way she scrapped her way through the back half of the season, I am very excited, very uh, positive on Garpin Muguruza's upside in 2021. Yeah, I agree. Feel? Look, I'm glad I also chose a stat that was rather positive, and I think she's in a really good spot right now. She's kind of flying under the radar, even though you know she did have some good appearances, good runs at the slams this year. She was able to fly uh, under the radar a bit, and people are talking about her less than they are um, a lot of the people who they think are the contenders um, week in week out for the big tournament so no I think she's in a great position and you know obviously it still stings a little bit um, talking about her because she did cost me a chunk of change in that blown loss to Danielle Collins but here we are Uh, no for me with Garbine Muguruza you know this year was the first time her win percentage was above 70 percent the first time since 2011 keep in mind since then slam titles world number one 
and this year she showed that. So, yeah, she fought the injury. Obviously, again, we don't need to repeat it, but 2020, a weird abbreviated season. But she's been playing really, really well. Um, you mentioned it, so close to an Australian Open title. Look, I expect big things from her from in 2021. As long as she stays healthy, there's no reason she can't contend at every single slam. And what you love to see after that Australian Open quarterfinals of Doha, quarterfinals of Dubai, she made the semifinals in Rome, and it feels worth noting in that match she was playing Simona Halep. She was not playing well through the first set and a half of that match. I remember that one well, uh, and yet she stole that second set and really probably should have beaten Simona to win that French uh, to win that Rome semifinal. Excuse me. And then you know at the French Open it was funky the entire time and. Still, I I just agree with you. Like, I mean, for her first serve win percentage, highest of her career, and you could see it just asserting herself as a weapon early in the season when she was landing that first serve. Because you forget she's six foot one, maybe six foot two. The length she has around the court, the power she's able to produce, and she's just such an excellent mover across surfaces as well when she's healthy. I I agree with you. I I really think the confidence she found this season, that is huge for her moving forward because she knows she belongs and just the results this season kind of confirm that. So, yeah, she's absolutely in the Grand Slam mix. And, you know, hey, listen, great transition here. So maybe I got to take this from you. But, I mean, to me, she's in that list with the Andrescu's, the Bardies, the people that, you know, the people that are being circled to be watched for contending at every slam. She's in that list for me because from what I saw in 2020, even after battling those injuries, there's no reason she shouldn't be in the conversation. Yeah, the problem is the list for all these women's slams now are like 12 names long. But know, yeah, no, least. that is abs- that is one of the most fun parts of 2021. And yeah, you alluded to it. Our final topic, the deciding point here on today's show. Uh, the fact that in 2021, we're going to get to see a lot of players we have not seen since the season came, uh, was postponed in February. Of course, I'm talking about players like Ashley Barty, who we haven't seen at all. I'm talking about Bianca Andreescu, who we haven't really seen due to injury. But of course, we haven't seen her in a year, and those are two players who, when we last saw, won Grand Slams during the 2019 season, Barty at the French Open, and of course she ascended to the world number one, was a semifinalist at the Australian Open this year uh, for Bianca Andreescu. I think she won something like 84% of her matches. Uh, I've got the Andreescu stat for you, but Jamie, give me something about Ashley Barty that all of our fans can look forward to in 2021. Yeah, Ash Barty, I mean, sort of similar to the Curios thing, is you just forget how effective they are um, and, and how good they are when they are consistently on court. Ash Barty obviously has a really interesting story, has gone away from the game of tennis, now back, um, you know, a lot of times was really in that doubles role, then started playing singles, and clearly her game just messes with everybody. And so for me, it, it's just the story of how well she can do, no matter the setting, right? She's averaged a win percentage of 76% over the last five years. I mean, just talk about consistency. It's been so solid for Mash Barty, even though she's been away from the game and coming back. And her only losses this entire year, I know, you know, she didn't play a lot of the season, and that's fine, but the only losses she had this year, there's three of them. Brady, who we talked about, Kvitova, and Sophia Kennan. So, I mean, at that point, I mean, that's just exceptional. So I really expect big things um, from Ash Barty. There's no reason, there's nothing I've seen to think that she's going anywhere. 
Yeah, I would put, you know, Serena Williams is in a different conversation. Muguruza and Barty, what you like so much about both of them is how good they are on all three surfaces. It doesn't matter the event. If they are playing well, they're a threat to win it. And Ashley Barty absolutely belongs in that conversation. I think for Bianca Andreescu, the stat I would turn to and why people are so excited to see her back, what she did as a 19-year-old winning Indian Wells, or was it Miami? I don't even remember at this point, winning the Rogers Cup and then winning Uh, the U.S. Open winning over 84% of her matches in 2019. Uh, The best comp for her age 19 season is Maria freaking Sharapova, who also won a Grand Slam at age 19, who also, I think, also uh, won a premier mandatory event. I think Serena Williams did something similar, and it's just like, if you have accomplished that at age 19, even if you have a year missed due to injury, particularly a year such as 2020, we need to pay attention to you. The last time we saw Bianca Andreescu, she was beating everyone, and it didn't matter the circumstance. She outplayed Osaka at the U.S. Open. She was just the best woman in the world on a hard court, and to get that woman back in 2021 is something all of us can be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're killing it with the the, with the player comparison, especially those young Canadians. You were quite high on what FAA had done at his young age as well. So, look, I don't think anybody, you know, can deny uh, that Andrescu is somebody who is, you know, when healthy, just incredible, especially on the hard courts. We saw that run you mentioned um, in the spring and summer, and I hope she can repeat something like that because, I mean, she has so much of her very, very young career left, and it was a weird 2020 not seeing her in the mix. Yeah, no, you got to know where your bread is buttered, Jamie, or I suppose your pancakes, maple syrup, and for me, that's the Canadian tennis fan. So, of course, I am excited about Bianca Andreescu. I am excited about all of these players heading into 2021. And again, we could have talked about any of them because there are legitimately 40 threats to win any Grand Slam on the women's side at the start of any given event. And we look forward to watching all of 2021's action unfold, seeing who breaks through, seeing which players solidify themselves at the top of the game. Of course, we also want to know who you all are looking forward to seeing. So be sure to let us know in the comments. Be sure to let us know why we're right or wrong about all of these players. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Only a few days until the 2021 ATP and WTA seasons kick off. We are excited for it, and we hope you all are as well. But with that in mind, we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. 